Hello, welcome to another episode, season two, episode one of HR Nightmares, um, where we love to bring realistic advice to our audience and go through some awesome stories, all those salacious stories that we would have written a book about as HR experts, um, but we just don't feel like sitting down behind a computer for more hours than we already do. I'm here with the OG. Hi, I'm Amy. I'm one of the consultants with Leaf HR Group. If this is your first time tuning into us, um, usually there's more of us here, but right now it's just me and Lisa. It's on this okay. Episode. So this, yeah, this is going to be fun. A little intimate episode. An intimate episode, and I'm actually quite looking forward to um, just kind of reflecting on season one of everything that we did when um, when we were talking about you know kind of the layout of today's episode and how we're kicking off 2023. For our audience, we thought it might be nice to reflect a little bit on um, where we started last year when we started recording with, by the way, like shout out to the Signal Fire guys who help us produce. Um, but we started with an episode called You Can't Make This Crap Up. Is that and what our first episode that, was? That was the name of it. Thank you, Gabby. <laughs> Um, but honestly, I think it's perfect because at the end of the day, what we're trying to accomplish here is a little bit um, of a different vibe for a podcast for Anyone from like business owners to other HR professionals to employees that just simply want to listen for good advice um, or write in and get some free HR advice from HR experts because usually we're not free if you hire us. So this is a good opportunity yeah. to like get access to us for a couple of minutes. So don't don't hesitate to write in. Um, the link is in the bio anywhere where you're listening to us. And by the way, um, you can watch us on YouTube. We have a, a, a playlist called HR Nightmares on the Leith HR Group YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. And then we're anywhere where you listen to your podcast. So um, remember when we started this, you can't make this crap up. Like what kind of stuff were we thinking about we were going to share with people? I think just any everything and everything. I, I just think it's been incredible to kind of see even just who is writing into us is clearly who is listening to us, right? And we get so much from the actual employees. And I think I was expecting it to be a little bit more like from the business owners or from HR professionals. And I think we've seen a lot more than we thought from the actual employees or managers or people. I mean, we've got to write in to talk about probably on today's episode that's like, should I go to HR about this, right? And that's what we're seeing a lot of. So I think what our intention is, is to be relatable HR folks for people to be able to come to and to kind of make sure that we're representing what HR really should be and hopefully can be at all of these different companies. And who we try to be when we're working with our companies is really approachable, relatable you know, informational people who know what we're talking about, but do it in a way that we can deliver it to employees and make people feel comfortable and good about it. And also staying on trends and tapping into our network of other business professionals that might not be HR folks, but they can teach us a lot. Yeah. And I think when we look back on the cast of characters that we had in season one, um, we're very privileged to have interviewed people, the likes of which started with Joe Conway, a chief diversity yes. guy, for the city of Wilmington, North Carolina, followed by somebody like Lindsay Cashin, who um, is so phenomenal with the Honor Foundation, mm -hmm. um, all the way to like KO, who was yeah. really stepping out on um, a socially forward business in True Colors. And uh, they've now had a lot of learnings with that business. But I mean, 
geez, you think about just the wisdom that she brought to the conversation about just but just caring for people as humans yeah. and treating people like humans in a company where they were having active gang members like brew and drink beer at work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, just we, we've had a, a really nice variety of people. We've had a financial advisor come in, right? We've had employment attorneys, two employment attorneys, one who's an employment attorney and now owns a business in tech, right? Those yeah. are two really different things. Um, we've had HR people, right, from the yeah. community, from nonprofit, from private business, from public business. Um, Even Tiffany at, Tucker, yeah, Tiffany Education Tucker. at UNCW. That was Big a energy. super fun episode. Yes. And we all love Tiffany, and she's a friend. Um, but, but lots of words yeah. of wisdom. I mean, yeah. everybody had, and we tried to do less talking when we have guests in here, but um, yeah, lots of words of wisdom. So if you've not heard uh, any of the episodes from season one, please go back and check them out. I encourage anybody tuning in right now to also go check out the uh, Leith HR group or H and HR Nightmares TikTok that Gabby has put together. It's got lots of kind of um, just couple of minute micro clips with our guests mm -hmm. and, and our HR experts on our panel between you, me, um, Beth, Gabby, when she's in the studio. Uh, but I, I think there's a lot of learning that you can do, even if you've got two, three, five minutes and just log into TikTok yeah. and, and view a couple of those and leave your comments. Um, leave your comments. We get a lot of questions uh, from the audience on TikTok, on our YouTube channel, um, through the link in the forum on our website, leithhrgroup.com. Um, so, so go back, go back and definitely check out season one. Um, just a couple of shout outs as well. We had um, Madison Bradburn, who was a previous Leith HR group consultant, come on and talk about recruiting. Um, Which that health. was a popular episode. That, that was, was like, oh. there's a, there's a micro clip on our social media channels, probably like TikTok or Instagram or something, but that TikTok where she talked about red flags on resumes yeah. and it's, I think like her and I kind of talking on yeah. that clip, it has a like lot hundreds of, of thousands of views. Yes. It's yes, huge. Yes. I think it's almost up to like 700,000 yeah. views right so now. So that was a really popular episode. And I think that it's provocative. a lot of our listeners <laughs> want to know like what's going on with resumes and recruiting yeah. and all these things happening as the job market has been a pretty ever-changing the last couple of years. And I mean, look, these are our opinions yeah. as HR professionals and people have been doing this for 20 years um, but also we're people who try to stay on top of trends and do customized work for all of our business clients with Leith HR Group and then me at Vanica. But, you know, uh, so challenge us. If you don't agree with us, we we ask you to challenge us and, and write those comments in so that we can challenge ourselves and think about, hmm, maybe that wasn't yeah, the right yeah. way to approach that or well, we maybe had those one weren't the those. resume flags. Well, tell we me. Had, we had reflecting back. I remember, I think it was episode one, I think Joe? it, it might have been. It was whenever Joe was on it, so it might have been the first one we recorded, and then he was on with us after. But we recorded him at the same time. Yeah. I don't remember, but we had talked about that background check thing. Oh and yeah, that we wouldn't have hired someone who had the criminal record that they had for a certain position, right? And then Joe came on the the next episode after I think we had recorded that. And he mentioned briefly, he had no idea that we had just talked about this or answered this question. And he talked about people have done their time and they deserve an opportunity and some, something along those lines, yeah. right? And trying to rewrite that kind of mentality of 
you know, if you've got this on your record, you're never going to get a serious job again. And that's not the right thing either. So, and it was interesting because we all kind of paused and we're like, do we need to go back and re-answer that question? And it did make me think. Now, I think we ultimately said based on the position that that person was interviewing for, we probably would still stick to that guidance. But I have to say, it made me think about it. And I have that conversation a lot with clients about backgrounds and it is one of those like, ooh, let's really talk this through a little bit more than I might have a decade ago. Yeah. 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 I agree. Awesome. That's a great example. Um, the other one that I loved was having Dory Weiss, who had yes. kind of an interesting path to get to where she was as the head of an engineering department for, you know, a public a company that it was a unicorn company that eventually went public. Um, but, but phenomenal leader, human centric leader. I think a key theme of all of our guests from season one was just human centric. Yeah. Yeah. They felt very, like very, they were really aligned with who we're trying to be. Right. And who we are is just relatable leaders, people who care a lot about the people like sharp and smart and really understand their businesses and the things that they're doing but always have the people in the front of their mind as they're making decisions about those businesses. And that felt really good. Um, remember Eden Arthur that was in here and she was running like a multinational team and, yes. um, at PPD, uh, like a international CRO that's now part of Thermo Fisher. And mm-hmm. she was just, I remember the one key takeaway I had with her was she was talking about how she allows her um, international teams to speak in their native language yeah. before the meeting gets started or during the meeting yeah. when they have complicated um, work to do. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't force anyone to speak in English because that's the language she speaks. She trusts them um, yeah. to to get the work done and, and fill her in and ask her questions in English when yeah. she needs to weigh in. But yeah. I, I always, I thought more about that after that episode and I just thought, wow, it's so simple, but a lot of people are just too selfish to even take that small step. Yeah, or or don't take the time, right? They feel rushed to get through that meeting and get the information and they don't they use those meetings as an information dump versus what it is, which is a culture building moment and a team bonding moment and we'll get the data and the information regardless of whether we have that meeting or not, right? Yeah. So it's making sure that, you know, what's the intention here and are we getting the most out of our people by having meetings like that if they can't even speak in their native language, right? Yeah. And she said, no, we're going to change that. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, a big hot topic for us in season one was when we'd have audience write-ins about PTO and like the <sighs> interplay gosh. of like PTO and leave and sick time yeah. and um, and so, you know, more of that, if you guys have that are listening, if you have questions that are related to PTO, we'll have more lawyers in, we might have the same lawyers in, we might yeah. have different lawyers in. And certainly we'd love to hear from our audience about who do you want to see on this podcast and who do you think would, would come into the studio or we could get hooked up through zoom to, to interview for an interesting interview that would be honest and, um, be willing to tell stories that, are entertaining enough for you, for you guys. And, and we want to learn too. So feel free to let us know who you're interested in seeing on HR nightmares this season. Yeah. What do you think your favorite episode was of the first season? Um, I would have to say it was probably Dory, the Dory episode. Um, until we had Jonathan from Shuck and Check. You enjoyed it. Was it the Christmas sweaters for you? (laughs) 
That's, I what, love that's my, what made the difference. I love the my kitschy things. Sweaters. Well, I also love the fact that like we made you dig for an ugly Christmas sweater. Oh my so. god, <laughs> it wasn't that ugly. Either. It wasn't about my Christmas sweater. It was, it was about, about mine. making you put one on. <laughs> um, but no, I did love um, the fact that that's just an interesting business, right? We talked to Ko, who was a little bit sort of in hospitality, right? They're brewing. Yeah, they're in the food and service industry with True Colors. Um, but then Jonathan, who who took a small little kind of dive bar, um, helped grow it uh, from a couch into, you know, a multi-state franchise with great food, good atmosphere. Um, he doesn't take himself too seriously, and he gets hospitality workers to stick around. Um, shit, it's hard enough to get people to stick around. I like mean, the tenure. White-collar businesses. It's Chuck and Shaq. It, <laughs> it's pretty incredible. Ooh, ooh, I wish I had a cowbell. But, I mean, honestly, I loved his approach. and. Um, I went on to tell people about you got to tune into this episode because this guy even gives an example about how, um, hey, if somebody's got a broken a, a bartender's got a broke down car and they need 300 uh, bucks to get the tire rod fixed or whatever. And I'm like, here's my credit card. Go get it fixed. I need you at work tonight. Yeah. And it's just like so moving how a small thing for him and the business as a whole, like from from a bottom line standpoint, can make a giant difference in someone's actual life. Um, and drive loyalty, but also he gets the guy to show up for his shift. So yeah, well, it's just again. I think small. he said it. It's like what feels like the right thing to do, and leading with like humanity first, and running the business second. It's like what feels like the right thing to do. Yeah, and then can I do it? And maybe I can't yeah. do it. Maybe I can't do the full three hundred. Maybe I could throw you like a hundred spot. Right, but right. It's he just took a different approach rather than rowing against and thinking everybody's out for the worst. Yeah, he's just, just saying, I need you to be at your shift, though, so figure it out, yeah, which a lot of which, managers probably would say. I, I would say, in all my experience working in hospitality, I grew up in a hospitality family where my dad managed restaurants. My mom was an HR manager for, like, a restaurant conglomeration. Like, a lot of, and then me being a server all through college at all different, I had, I had the flair at TJ Fridays, Chili's, Ruby Tuesdays, you name <laughs> it. I was TJ there. Fridays a lot. I love TJ. Well, I love, I got to wear my flair one day. I should have worn it actually when Jonathan was here, but we'll have another <laughs> hospitality person in. Um, but I will say that is not the norm whatsoever. No. I'm like, probably no. not in retail either. Like no. I worked at the Gap. The Gap was my first job. So they, yeah. they would have said, no. I mean, go, I think- go away. If I didn't make it in for a shift because my, yeah, I mean, I think I worked for a unique retailer and I think Nordstrom for the most part was a company that's like what feels like the right thing to do. And that's how we were with customers, right? Just return it, just return it, just return it. Right. Like, well, that's why you guys have a very unique reputation. Make it happen. The answer is yes. Like that was our motto. The answer is always yes. Right. And if someone says no, I'm the only one that gets to say no, you guys need to all say yes. Right. And that's, that's how we led. So we were, you know, pretty unique in that way. But, but I, you, to make sure that every single department manager, you know, I was a store manager and I had 20 managers with me and then they managed the 200 and some employees, right. To make sure they all had that same, like leading with that heart first, our people first. I mean, I'm sure there were many examples of times where they were the manager that said, figure it out. Yeah. Figure it out. I need you to cover your shift, you know? Well, you know, what's so crazy is right now, just like, I love that we're able to get for the new season two as well. We're able to turn around a lot of these episodes, um, in a more timely fashion so we can actually talk about things that are on trend. 
And right now, just some of these tech companies, I mean, you look at um, this the cryptocurrency world. Oh, gosh. You look yeah. at um, Twitter and what's going on with Elon Musk, and he's taking polls about should I be your CEO and, like, firing everyone and doing it by I, email. It's just so— No words for any of that. Okay, yeah, and I'm like, everything that we coach um, just, businesses and managers for our entire career is all about, like— doing the right thing, protecting the business, of course, but being kind of a dual advocate for the employees as well as the employer, because yeah. if you take care of the employees, ultimately they're going to stay and take care of the clients and the customers. Right, so like, right. um, it's just so awful to me what's going on and how people are being treated with no integrity or respect. And you're, you're playing with human lives here, right? Yeah. The most personal thing next to your family, your puppies, whatever, is your job and to be told over email that you no longer have a job and get your shit and go is like the worst thing, the worst yeah. thing ever. I mean, I can't even imagine, right? And it's like, do you not have HR people to help you yeah, with that? Is you no not, one telling you this have is you terrible? Have you never made, I mean, I we've saw, what was that one that recently, you know, violated Warren by doing that, right? There's a law that says, oh, like, the Warren, hey, you yeah, got to yeah. you gotta give people a certain amount of notice when you're making this amount of layoff. There is a legal standard for it. And that company is not a new company, right? Yeah. And I'm Who like, have you never had to make them. decisions like this before in the last couple of decades? I can't imagine. Yes, who is guiding you? So and what do we think is going on? Now, to, what to, me, to me, it's an egotistical <laughs> figurehead that doesn't want anyone else's advice, right? And right. so they think they know everything. Um, but in fact, there's a lot that they don't know, and they're screwing it all up. And I could imagine there's, like, tons of – like, people probably would have said, I understand. Financially, you explained to me we kind of took big risks. We made big investments. We spent yeah. too much money. We shouldn't have hired this many people. I get it. I don't like it. I need to find a job now, but I get it. But they did no explaining. So now they're probably people are pissed. So they're probably yeah. dealing with like EOC claims, DOL claims, just like all kinds of crap right. that they could have avoided if they the just treated people nicely. Of not doing it in the right way is so much worse than taking the time to stop and like actually approach it in the right way, pay people for the time that they're owed, give people the correct amount of notice. You know, it's not going to make it easier. It's still a really hard decision. Yeah. But I, I think. I, you know, in 20 years of being with the same company, I went through so many different reorgs and consolidations and, you know, layoffs in mass ways of entire teams, right? Outsourcing the whole entire tech team, right? And having to yeah. remove that whole department from the organization. Those were never easy decisions, but I'm so proud to have worked for a company that we always did it in the right way and it was well thought through and we were respectful of the people. We took care of everyone as best as we possibly could based on the fact that it was a tough business decision. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I feel lucky too. I mean, growing up with Corning, it was the same way. Yeah. Like we, you just, you get hugs from people as you were telling them like yeah. your job was eliminated. But you know what? When you treated them that way, when you had openings in the future, a lot of times we'd call people that we had to let yes. go two years yes. ago and be like, do you want to come back? And they were like, yeah, yes. First through the door. If we treated them like fire them by email. Um, would they have come back two years later? Likely. No, no, absolutely so not. There's just a lot of downside to treating people um, like robots and um, 
it, it's bigger than just making quick decisions and yeah. getting the ship to turn quickly. It's yeah, I think you're kind of right the in the way it like circles back to, you know, what our intention, you know, for season two is to be able to like talk about some of this stuff yes. and also provide, you know, maybe there are smaller companies out there listening. They're going to have to make some of these tough decisions and don't have the resources. They don't have people who have been doing this for 20 years and have experienced those kind of things in their last jobs. Um, and we can talk about, okay, well, what's the right way to take, yeah. to do something like this, right? Like, what do we need to do? How much time do we need to give people? Like, what are the guidelines for that? Yeah. And be able to talk about a little bit more of that and share. Um, and hopefully we'll get lots of good questions and listener write-ins and maybe some of you out there, you know, are experiencing this and you'd love to be a guest on our show. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, we'd like to stay on trends this season for sure. So, um, don't hesitate to write in about things that are happening real time, um, out in sort of like the macro world. And, and we'd like to chime in on that with our thoughts. But, um, what was your favorite episode from season one? You know, we had so many, so many great <clears throat> guests, um, and I enjoyed them all. There were several that I, like, missed. There was, like, several that I missed in a row um, of some really fun guests, and going back and listening to those episodes were always fun to do. But I have to say my favorite were the ones that were, like, just us and our team. So, like, mm. that last one, and I don't even know that we – it is – it will come out by the time this one has come out, right? Um, but we have a whole great episode that you can go back and listen to um, that is just Q&A from our yeah. listeners. And the fact that we had so much great questions. We had a lot to get through. <laughs> But just there's so much good information in that. And there's a few very serious questions in that that we were able to really approach, I think, in a thoughtful way and hopefully shed some light on some different things that do happen that are the reality of when we manage people. People come with all kinds of things, problems, excitement, concerns, issues, happiness, joy. They're just all the yeah. emotions. And we were able to kind of talk about some of those um, ups and downs of that in that Q&A episode, that one was really fun. And then you and Gabby and I did one, I think, just ourselves on mental health and yeah. mental health resources and being able to shed some light. And I think that was a really popular episode, too, um, to be able to talk about what are some things that companies can do, because I think that's going to continue to be a big trend. Yeah. And yeah. I think that can be a focus for us this season as well, mm -hmm. um, tapping into um, mental health resources and also sharing just great people in our network that, you know, could be good resources for um, clients and listeners as well. Yeah. Um, well, I'll tell you what, we've got quite a few write-ins and so I don't want to go off script too badly. We got to get to the write-ins yeah, today. And it's only the two it. of us. So two of like, us. So we've got plenty of time for some write-ins. Um, what's so fun um, is that we've got write-ins from our TikTok. We've got write-ins from uh, the Apple podcast. We have write-ins from Albany, New York, from Pennsylvania, from Wilmington, North yeah, Carolina, where over. we're located. So it's really cool. Um, let's start with um, the folks who are closest to us, and that's in Wilmington. Um, I've got a write-in. Is it common practice to take PTO or vacation when an employee goes over allowance of sick or bereavement days? Is there an alternative? Oh, my gosh. 
Another question about PTO, <laughs> sick days, bereavement days. So bereavement's a little bit of a different thing. Um, I wouldn't, I would not advise companies to lump bereavement in with PTO and yeah. sickness. I don't think that someone losing a relative or a friend or whatever relates to the same. It is the, it's not the same yeah. thing. It's not the same time off. Um, those those need to be looked at in a different way and given any time. Um, someone experiences a loss, not just if they have enough time, right? So that's a every single time if that happens and someone passes away, you get that amount of time. It's not like a maximum in a year. Um, So setting bereavement aside, but what is it? So they're over in six days. I mean, for me, you know, here's the deal. Like we've talked about this, I think when Wayne, you can go back and listen. Well, I think Will and Wayne, both, both of our employment attorneys that were on here, talked about PTO. There are some states that differentiate and you have to differentiate sick days with PTO days. Many, many states do not. So a lot of companies just look at it as one bucket. As long as you've got enough to go around, it's usually fine. To me, I'm like, the days are the days. Who cares? Now, the only difference is typically like sick days don't roll over into the next year. Some companies, I've seen them that they do. Um, But a lot, you know, the sick days are there for you to use. If you don't need them, you don't like get to keep them, right? You kind of like start over every year. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes that looks different but what I would say it's like how egregious is it if someone needs a couple extra days it's the end of the year the business can allow yeah. it there's nothing happening just give them the time Look off at all are the they factors. a salaried employee yeah. and they probably put their hours in and you know unless you're giving them six seven eight weeks of PTO you probably only give them three four weeks can you give them two extra days like this is not that big of a deal yeah I, I agree it's like uh, I took my three days of PTO to go to my dad's funeral, but like, I still need to go take care of his estate. I need to help my sisters clean his house out. I need to yeah, um, yeah. sell his car yeah. in Raleigh. Like, I mean, for God's sake. Yeah. Let him take the PTO. Uh, that's right. definitely the, so what is the right thing to do? That's the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, and then also you said like, it, I mean, would it be crazy to let somebody take six weeks of like personal leave um, with a couple of weeks of vacation to go take care of something. You know, they were the sole kind of caretaker for their elderly mom. And I need a leave to just go get everything right so I can come back and be 100% at the company. Like, could you do it? Is that the right thing to do? Would it mm-hmm. would it slam your business in any way? Like, if it wouldn't, try to think of a way to make, like, how do you make it happen? Yeah. Just kind of back to, like, yeah. how do you get, I mean, that's going to drive a lot of loyalty if you can just bend over backwards and help that person. Yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, we're running businesses. I get it. The business is important. We all get that. We all understand that. It's an individual. It's one person. Can you work with them? Can you do something about it? I I don't think the business is going to crumble. That person's not the CEO, you know, like they're an employee of your business. You probably have 50 other ones. Give them an extra time off if they need it. Yeah. And then if it's egregious, yeah. You deal with it, right? Yeah. So it's like, let's not have these like blanketed policies that we overmanage just because we're worried people take advantage or whatnot. Then we deal with the ones that take advantage and we're generous yeah. to the rest. It, that That's so true. Like so often as managers, we, we freak out a little bit and we fear what we think might happen. But most of the time, 99.9% of the time that never happens. So No, I mean, I think we proved that with the companies that have gone to unlimited PTO. I mean, 
the amount that report that people don't take as much time off is a little bit scary, but well, that's you know, Vanica, we want to take yeah. it off. I mean, we moved to unlimited PTO yeah. and we require people to take at least one consecutive week of days. Yeah. Every year. And we monitor it every quarter. I mean, I've got yeah. my guys going through and being like, hey, you haven't taken a consecutive week yet. Um, yeah. Just to make sure that, yeah, so people actually do take the time. But um, as far as the the PTO goes, I mean, cut them a break. Give them an extra day. Yeah. We'll continue answering your PTO questions in the new year, though. Just <laughs> we're looking, if you have any other we're issues. Looking for them. Okay. In Pennsylvania, this person works for a nonprofit religious organization that has literally zero HR oversight. I studied HR courses in my master's, but am struggling with where to begin to write policies and procedures and even dealing with current FMLA issues. Thoughts on how to even begin? Yes. First of all, call us. (laughs) Get some help. Get some help. Um, A lot of times, like, going online and Googling things can be fine, but it's hard to know what to customize and what you can peel out and what you should leave in um, without being, like, a true HR expert. So for for the time that it would take us to help you versus the time it's going to take you to go Googling and researching and talking to an employment attorney for 400 bucks an hour, like you should probably look into somebody who's like a fractional HR. If not us, go ahead and look for somebody in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Although we work up and down the East coast, including, uh, for Penn state. So, um, you probably don't have to abide by FMLA rules if you're a smaller organization, but I mean, if if you're you're a giant employees, you don't, 50, 50, sorry, 50, five, zero. Um, if you've less than five, zero, then you just need to have like some basic guidelines on leave of absence policies and have some yeah, good yeah. uh, kind of options for folks if they do get sick um, and you and you want them to be able to protect their jobs. But it won't be FMLA if you have under 50 employees. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, it's not protected under FMLA. I mean, I'm sure you could certainly if you want to make those accommodations and follow those same guidances that someone yeah. might get. If you want to be Never more generous, you can always be more generous, right? And FMLA really isn't that generous. Like, it's just unpaid leave. It's just legally protecting your, your job. job. Yeah. Yeah, which is, like, not really that great. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's yeah. okay, but it's not great. But, I mean, so you should definitely be thinking about um, talking to an expert on policies. I mean, the other thing too is, um, get a trusted employment attorney. That's pretty pragmatic. Like the Will Odin and that crew, um, with Ward and Smith down here are phenomenal because Mm -hmm. he thinks like an HR person versus thinking like an attorney who just wants to cover, you know, CYA on everything. And then you got to kind of figure out like, what am I actually allowed to get away with? Right. Um, that'll make sense for the business. So, get a good employment attorney that yeah I, I think yeah i mean well you know a lot of the employment attorneys we work with at our like different companies or consult with and stuff the ones i've worked with in my last company you're right like they they think like us because we're all kind of trying to do the same thing make sure we're fair to the employees while also protecting the business right yeah. so we kind of have to we weigh both sides um you know we've we've got to do certain things to be consistent from a business aspect but I would agree, like our employment attorneys, our HR, we're always kind of like, what can we do? What should we do? What is the right thing to do? What would be consistent? And then making sure we're also following and abiding by legal guidelines too. But a lot of times we try to be more generous than the law would require us to be because a lot of states, the law has not really caught up with. No, it was like written in 78. Yeah. (laughs) Leadership. Yeah. With that 80s mentality. Exactly. Um. So anyway, 
Give us a call. Uh, Albany, New York. Okay, so I'm gonna just truncate a little bit yeah, of what this person wrote in. <laughs> they they acknowledge the fact that this was a lengthy one. Um, but this is somebody that's kind of in our space. Um, they do a lot of training. Sounds like um, that they left a job that they were with for quite a while as a corporate trainer. Um, they moved to a new position, maybe outside of training. Um, then I guess somebody found out in management that they had this training background. This person, I think, told them um, a little bit about what they had done in a previous life. They've been busting it uh, for projects for the team. And here's here's where they're upset. Um, and they want to kind of gauge, are they in the right? Are they not in the right? Like, what do we think about what's going on? So they got a new title that comes with new and larger set of responsibilities and expectations at this company, okay? Um, and they're not getting compensated for it. So that's one. Um, number two, they've been working in the role since September. It's December. And even if they get an adjustment in January, it won't take effect till February 16th. And that would mean five months of being in this trainer job without being what they um, – basically chalk up to not being compensated correctly. So what do they do? Should they go to HR for something like this? What's kind of our opinion on, um, am I being crazy to be upset about, about this situation? Like, what do you think? Well, I certainly don't think you're being crazy. If you feel a certain way, then it yeah. deserves a conversation from someone, whether that be with whoever your direct supervisor is, which I, I think is there. the first person to yeah. go to, your direct manager. Um, and also loop in HR if you don't get you know, the response, I, I don't always say like what you're looking for, but if the response isn't well received or you kind of don't get much, then maybe your HR people are also there. It depends on your organization, how it's set up. Um, but yeah, if you're feeling a certain way, I mean, I think compensation is important. I think we should always be addressing concerns and compensation. I think that people have to feel like they're being compensated fairly for the role they're doing. So that being said, we don't have any of those details. So I don't know how much this individual makes. I don't right. know what their last job title is, what their new job title is. What I'll tell you is, you know, pay ranges of many jobs are close enough. They're wide enough that if you were in the range of both jobs, they might say like, you're still in the range. Maybe you're lower in this new range than you were in the old one. But if you're still in the range, maybe it doesn't warrant. Maybe you're so new with the company that it like it could have fit either way. So there could be some reasons there, but you need to have a conversation so that you can hear some of those things. And it could be that there's no reasons for it too. So I, you know, we, we don't really know. It could be that you, what I will tell you is advice in your future is talk about compensation the minute you get the role, right? That has to be something that Yes, do companies need to be doing that for their employees? Absolutely. But we don't run every single company. We're not there yep. to advise every single company. And we know that that doesn't happen. So you as an employee also need to be saying, well, what is my new compensation for this new role? Yeah. So you just added these skills and responsibilities. Well, let's, let's say they did ask that. Yeah. And it's like, no, you're being reassigned. Um, we're, we're truncating your role and you're getting reassigned to this instructional designer or this corporate trainer. Um, position and there's right now we can't really afford to give you anything for it. Let's see how you do, and I'll give you something in a couple of months. Listen, I, I've been in that position before, and it's like 
been told like, hey, you got the job. Your counterpart, they got a severance package when we reorged and combined roles. And yeah. now, yes, your responsibility is double the size that it was. Yeah. Your region's now twice the size that it was when you took the Happens job four months ago. But your counterpart is out there shopping for a new job. Right. So you could be her. And like it was like, so be no, happy. you're not getting a pay increase. Yeah. You should be happy with this. Yeah. Now, a few months later, because I worked for a good company, they went back and they right changed it. Right. And they actually went back and like adjusted our pay from the time. Wow. But it's still. That's it unheard wasn't, of. That's it wonderful. Bit. It was like 5% for the fact that my region went from 4,000 employees to 8,000 yeah, employees. Yeah, but still but, to go back. But that's yeah, pretty, they did that's the pretty, right thing. They incredible. backdated it. They they said like we didn't do that correctly yeah. the, when it happened. And but again, I think I worked for a pretty phenomenal place. So and I think yeah. that we always kind of did the right thing by doing doing something like that. A lot of companies, you know, if they if you're not going to challenge them on the pay and they can get away with paying you the same thing they did and you're going to like do that job to the best of your abilities for six months, they're going to let you do that. I've, I've had this argument with managers over the years, which is like, well, I'm taking a chance on them. Let's put them in the position. Let's see how they do six months from now. Let's evaluate it. Ugh, and I can't. It's, I, I, it, it bothers me to my I know, core. Me too. I'm like, we either believe they can do it, and this is the job, and here's the range, and let's try to get them close. Because if we went externally, we would pay, yeah, you know, yeah. the, the at least in range. Um, and so there is a bit of a loyalty tax to, you know, being promoted internally. Yeah. And so we got to yeah. really be careful as as organizations that we're taking care of the people who are putting in the time and have institutional knowledge. Right. Um, and are very valuable for us in ways that we may not always completely um, appreciate. So um, I think you have to be realistic about the quality of work, too. I had this conversation last week with a client of ours that I said, I'm like, well, yes, that individual accepted the pay that you gave them, but here's what you're paying them. Here's what their experience was. They were probably making a significant a significant amount more in their last job with the same experience and skills, right? Yes, they took the job. That's what you gave them. They accepted that pay. I go, but you're wanting them to like perform to this level that they, you know, this $100,000 a year salary level, but you're paying them half of that. So like, I think they're giving you about they're giving Half, you they're giving you the quality of yeah. what you kind of invested in them. Right. And I think they could give you a lot more but they don't feel it from you. And until they feel like you're also yeah. going to compensate them in a fair way, they're not going to give you 100%. They're giving you about 75% yeah. of their ability and I mean, right look, now. Look, we, can, we can't be upset with that. I mean, there's there's some of uh, some folks that are always going to give you so much extra discretionary effort. It doesn't matter if you're paying them 30 yeah. grand. And never ask them for 200, more. And they'll never ask for more. But But there are a lot of people that have a lot of options out there. And so if you've got strong performers who have other options, you might want to consider making it right and just taking care of them proactively so that they don't feel like they have to back you into a corner and kind of feel slighted and have a little chip on their shoulder about that. You know, maybe not outwardly, but but it does feel good to be recognized proactively versus having to go and fight and defend um, yeah. your position as a great employee. I mean, yeah, just give them, get, pay them what they're worth. I agree. So yeah, to our write-in, if you are listening, hopefully you are, you got to address it. You got to go have a conversation. You have a conversation with the manager. You have a conversation with HR, whether it resolves anything or not. 
you at least got to have the conversation. The other thing too, and I tell, I even tell, I, I tell employees this, I tell family members this, like if you're going to go in and ask for a pay raise, do not expect that manager to know everything about your experiences that you're coming to the table with. Come with like a little one pager on yourself where you worked before three or five career highlights, like, like objective things you accomplished as like a professional um, in this type of role. And then, so you can kind of give them some really good meat and context on who you are as a professional, why you are worth what you're about to ask for. So, mm-hmm. and you better have a number in mind, right? And so if they say, well, okay, you're making 75 and I'll, I'll give you 78. Well, if you had in your mind it was 90 or nothing, then you better be ready to start looking for another job because yeah. you got to stick to your guns a little bit or you're just going to be disgruntled and unhappy hanging around being a mope and nobody wants a toxic mope around the workplace. <laughs> so go find another job if they don't give you the money and you it, that's super important to you. Start looking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you have options. Employees have options. So gain, gain the skills while you're there and figure out how to apply those skills somewhere else that's going to pay you what you think you're worth. Yeah. Um, all right. What was the other part to that question? It was, um, yeah. Do you go to HR? Okay. We answered it all. Great. Okay. From the, uh, Apple podcast, I'm currently interviewing for new roles within my company. I'm a remote based employee in Nevada. Oh, cool. We've never had a Nevada Mm. rating. Yeah. Makes me happy. Nevada has labor laws that require employers to not research or utilize my current pay when making an offer to me. Okay. A recruiter recently told me that my salary expectations were unreasonable when it was mid-range because of what I currently make. Is there anything I can do to ensure I'm protected without risking my relationship with this recruiter? So it's interesting because I do know there's like things like Zoom info and other kind of internet scrubbing I thought platforms that do pull up like if I looked you up I could be wrong but I thought the law was just that they can't ask you they can't ask what you. you make that doesn't ask mean you. that they wouldn't be able to say I'm an HR info. director so this is what an HR director at your company is listed on Glassdoor as making yeah who right? knows where they got the info from yeah yeah so I think that they just can't ask you I could be wrong and I've never had Nevada as a state so yeah. I do not know um I, I would tell them hey look I think it's as simple as um the role is worth 90 to 150 thousand yeah. dollars I'm willing to make a move from my current role for 120 if that's not yeah. acceptable this isn't a great role for me and that's not a great recruiter for you to be talking to. If yeah. they, the recruiters should be working for you as much as they're working for yeah. the the company. And if that's the pay you want, I think the conversation you have with the recruiter is, you know, regardless of where they got the information, again, the law is the law. If you want to actually like challenge them on that, that's up to you, yeah. right? I don't think it's worth it personally to challenge them on where they got that information or asking you if you, I don't you, even know what if you, you don't want to answer. You could go file a DOL you, claim, I guess. Yeah. Like, I mean, what's if the you want to they bring it back to you up, for six sure, months anyway. We never recommend that, but I mean, sometimes, but that is certainly not what I would recommend here. I would simply be say, Well, I'm not going to tell you what I currently make because what I currently make is not what I want to be making. Here's what I want to be making. And who are you to tell me what it's worth to like muck up my whole life and leave an employer I've been with and I'm comfortable with and I know the product and I know the people. And it's like, no, I get to choose what it's going to cost. 
and to I'm leave. I'm guessing that based on like how the the person kind of said it, that that recruiter, because they don't want to jeopardize that relationship, the recruiter probably works for the employer, mm-hmm. like, or trying to find for the employer. And this isn't like a recruiter maybe working like a headhunting type yeah. person. Um, so it could be that. And it's just like, well, I mean, then that says a lot maybe about like the, that person and the company that they're working for. Right. Maybe like you want to just... think about talking to some other companies. Well, also too, there's a lot going on right now with salary transparency and putting ranges on roles. And it sounds like she or he saw the range on the role and came in mid range, um, probably based on posted salaries and yeah, so, or their own research, you know, yeah. I would challenge the recruiter, if anything, if they're like an in-house recruiter for this company, I would challenge them on, Hey, is the range baloney, which by the way, that's illegal. Um, so like, that's more of a concern for me is with salary transparency, they're beefing it up so they get better candidates. And then they're trying to lowball you based on like some zoom info yeah, information yeah. or glass door information they're digging up on you. So um, I would challenge them on, is the range the real range or is it inflated for some reason? Yeah. Because it seems like maybe there, there's something weird. I agree. I mean, personally, I, I get <laughs> that. I understand that's the law in Nevada. That's fine. Uh, many of my states that I've worked in, in the Northeast and the South, like that, that's not a thing here. I personally think we've got to be honest on salary like both ways. I think companies need to be transparent. I think employees that are looking for other jobs also need to be transparent. I don't think it's a problem to say like, here's what I'm currently making. This is what I want to make though, right? And here's my range. So I think what I would always tell and what I don't experience as much is candidates having a reasonable range as well. A lot of times they just have this number and it's maybe the highest number because they want to start there because they think that's the way to negotiate. But like, I think both people have to have a range in mind. You know, what's, what's, what would I accept, but what would I want? Right. But, and what's that range? Maybe that range is a little smaller than what a company's range would be. But I think if we're going to get to the right number on both sides, we have to be open and transparent. And it's very hard to do that when like people aren't allowed to talk to you about certain parts of that. So And also, um, I don't write the law. Yeah, so. having a range. So to your point, having a range from a candidate perspective is good too. And you're like, well, why would I tell somebody I would take 120 to 150 when I? Re- I mean, I'd rather have 150. Well, yeah, you'd rather have 150. But what if you got to pay all of your medical insurance and that's twenty one thousand right, dollars a year? Right. Like, what wouldn't you take? You know, 145 and they pay 100 yeah, yeah. percent of the. So you just got to do like sometimes if people know that they're able the to say like, comp. well, we could come in with base, you know, at 120. But then we could kick on an extra 10 on the bonus, right. right? Like structure, right? So it's like it gives you some information to negotiate yeah. with. And again, I think your range is a little smaller than a company's range might be, you know, negative 20 to positive 20. But like yours might be, you know, $20,000 both, you know, each way. But I, I just think in order to like get there and make both parties feel the negotiation is there, we have to be honest on both sides. So that's hard to do when the law is limiting us. So ask a lot of questions about total compensation mm-hmm. beyond just the base salary because there might be a lot there that's really yeah. good. Yeah. Who knows? Um, cool. I think there was one one more. There maybe. was. Let's check it out. Okay. Um, I turned in a peer. This is from TikTok. I turned in a peer for sexually harassing his previous employees who are now my employees. My HR representative laughed at me. That's not that's okay. kind of a little weird. Yeah, that's a problem. And my regional manager accused me of fabricating the whole thing. Four different women came forward with different stories and different witnesses. 
Five weeks later, I was let go for performance, having never had a negative performance review. I don't regret turning him in, but even so, was I required to do so as a general manager, given it wasn't at my location? Also, they deleted the emails about it that I sent to HR when I tried to gather evidence the day they let me go, but it was the only thing they deleted. Also, I asked HR about it, and they said they'd never do that. There's Interesting. A lot. Wow. Yeah, there, there's a lot going on there. I mean, obviously, there's a great concern of the fact that that individual was let go for performance-related things and never coached on performance. I mean, that's kind of a whole separate thing. There's, like, two separate issues happening here. Um, I, I think they probably have a pretty good retaliation claim. I mean, I would say from an employment, I, maybe you want to find yourself an employment attorney, but uh, I think yeah. you, you probably got some claims there. Um, and it, then it I, seems I think, a little like that. But Well, with the employment attorney, too, so – so everything is recoverable and discoverable. Um, yeah. th once something is sent over the internet, um, it can always be yeah. reclaimed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, there's forensic uh, software out there that actually one of our clients, Tritech Forensic Cells. Um, but like there's forensic software that lawyers use to go and dig that stuff yep. up. It doesn't matter how hard they try to wipe their hard drive uh, person, this yeah. audience member. You're going to get the emails yeah. if they get subpoenaed. Well, so. and it sounds like the individuals probably still work there. So I want to answer the question that this individual asked on, am I obligated to turn yep. in if I know even if it wasn't my location, blah, blah. The answer is, yeah. Yeah, you are. So if, if you know something and you're a manager um, or you're in a position of any kind of leadership role and something is reported to you, you are obligated to report that. Now, it's a shame that when you did that, they did not take that seriously and investigate those concerns. Um, but just to say they had investigated those concerns or those concerns came up and then it was found out that you did know about it and you didn't turn it in, then that would be very fireable. Yeah. So then then you put your own, you know, role kind of in jeopardy. So, yes, regardless of if it's if it's not your location or it's not your manager it's if you are in a position like that um and you hear about something you have to say it yeah you guys sexual up. harassment is so serious to address and like address it in a very timely manner and it can be something as stupid as you know and easy to solve as um hey i didn't really like it when you looked at me that way or i always noticed that um, my boss is looking at my breasts when we're talking. It's like, well, you just got to tell them like, Hey, I think you'd probably want to know about this, that there's a few ladies around the office that think this is what you do. Yeah. Just want you to know so you can fix it. And I've had people actually fix it and they never did that again. They eye contact. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Um, but then there's egregious things like, you know, getting drunk at, um, office, uh, events and like being forced to sleep with like a manager yeah. or a coworker. And that's like te teetering on assault. Um, you know, there's lots of laws around even, you know, discriminating against somebody for their hairstyle and making people, you know, wear their hair a certain way. And, and that is discriminatory in itself. And so there's mm -hmm. all kinds of different um, uh, levels of harassment from things that you can address with a stop right now. Do you understand mm -hmm. to fireable offense and probably and potentially even criminal offenses yeah. that that have to get reported to the law? So um, you definitely want to get familiar with 
um, harassment training for all of your employees as well as your managers. Your managers are your frontline defense. They're your greatest asset. They're also your greatest liability if yeah. they don't understand, yeah. which it sounds like maybe general managers for this company don't understand what the obligations are, what the policies right. are, yeah. how it gets handled once a complaint is made, what the follow-up should be, who's handling the complaint. And by the way, if the HR department is ill-equipped to handle this, you need to be outsourcing it to someone who can do mm -hmm. thorough investigations and protect your butts from a lawsuit. Yeah. Um, yeah. You could lose your whole so, business, yeah, you know, you in definitely. one claim yep. like that. So um, it's serious. serious. They need to be reported. It's a shame what happened after you reported it, but sounds like you don't regret reporting it, which is... Good. That is good. And I'm sorry that you lost your job. And I don't know if those things were related, but I think you got really good case to find out if maybe they were. Yeah. Um, and yeah, if you need names of good employment attorneys, reach out to us. Give us on a LinkedIn. call. Also, we do <laughs> sexual harassment training. So at your next yeah. employer, yeah. make sure that you're getting it done with professionals that have great kind of situational um, things to work through with with both employees and supervisors. So yeah. um, that's it for the write-ins today. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Participating in season one, uh, excuse me, season two, episode one of HR Nightmares, where we want you to real wake up to realistic advice. Um, <clears throat> we do have some really awesome opportunities uh, as we talk about things like um, background checks and um, what kind of payroll systems people should be using to keep great time records, uh, how you can manage uh, learn, learning and development. Yeah. We are looking for sponsors. And benefit. So, yes. What, what benefit. kind of benefits should people yeah. be looking into? Yeah. Wellness, wellness perks. And so it, we're in a really awesome uh, period in the life cycle of HR Nightmares where we're actively looking for sponsors. So if you are a benefits broker, if you have an HR information system, if you have a wellness technology, if you're a 401k or financial advisor, um, what else? If you do background, background check, check. Yeah, yeah, background check. Give us a call. Recruiters, you know, yeah. zip yeah. recruiter. Yeah, zip recruiter. Indeed. Good hire. <laughs> Yeah, we, we'd love to talk to you. And these are very affordable sponsorships. We want to be the mic sponsor. We're always looking for a beer sponsor. So please reach out to us. Uh, thank you very, very much. It's been a blast. Season one was amazing. We're very excited for this season and to kick off 2023 with you guys. Get those right ins in. get that free HR advice and listen to us on YouTube and anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, this is HR Nightmares. I'm Lisa Leith. I'm Amy Conway. Thank you Have so much for one. listening. Bye.